0: Hey everybody, this is Sandra Lucky coming before you again. Thank you so much for showing up and thank you for all your support. I want to talk to you today about, Um, say that again. <laughs> you ever have somebody come and they say something and it, it, it seems like, I, I couldn't have heard that correctly, say that again or you're thinking about something in your own mind and in your own uh, heart and time and it's like, what? Say that again? Well today, uh, during this time, you all know that I have a have a program for abused women, children, and men. And y'all are, are with me on this journey to make it to my fullness, um, my excellent walk. And this is what I'm offering to you all to come along with me and and be able to look within yourselves and see uh, things that that have held you in a place where you're like, "I, I really should not have been been here and find out why am I here? How did I get here? What can I do to help me get out of this situation? Um, next week, we, I'm going to open up um, the outline of the program and share that all with you. Um, and, and it's just the outline. However, it will give you a look into how the information is coming across to me and how it actually came across to me because as it was given to me I wrote it down and at first I was in a a sense of denial and that is no you you can't want me to do this because I, I trust me, I came up with everything <laughs> I came up with every reason that was logical to me that would help me not to um go through with this program. However, God was very adamant about uh what he wanted. He made sure that he let me know that um there were people that needed to hear this information and it wasn't the information that of course we all get, but it was the information through the windows of my eyes and through the testimony of my life that this needed to be put out. There's so many things that we think about that we are saying So, everybody goes through that. Yeah, well, that might be true. Although, of course, everyone cannot go through the exact same thing that you go through. However, there are similar, similar, y'all help me, similarities. There are similarities with everyone's uh, experience. Rather, it is, um, due to domestic abuse of any kind, uh, physical abuse, mental abuse, uh, emotional abuse. All, all of these things come to fit in. Somewhere in there, there was something that was displayed or put in so that that way, what happens, those wo- those wills begin to turn and cause you to have the same effect although you did not experience the same ordeal there are different things that happen that can cause you to develop the same effect. Uh, let me let me break it down just a little bit uh, to simplify it uh, for understanding it's just like medication okay let's take some things that you may know okay uh, ibuprofen, Tylenol, etchedrine. Uh What's another one? Um, there's another one I can't think of right now. But let's oh, let's say aspirin. Okay, so aspirin, Tylenol, um, Excedrin, and ibuprofen. Am I saying that correct? I, correctly, I always have a problem saying that word ibi. Is it ibuprofen? Put the pronunciation in there for me. <laughs> uh, that in the word film. Film. F-I-L-M. Yeah. Oh, is it F-L-I-M? F-I-L-M? Okay. Anyway, enough about that. <laughs> some, of, some of the things I still need to work out, right? Okay. So... With those medications, they all help to promote pain from continuing, or they block the pain from happening. Just like when um, and the ladies that have gotten their hair, hair done, they know about this, and some of the men too. Before you go get your hair done You take what? Show of hands raise them. Let me know give me your an answer put it in the chat <laughs> You take two Tylenols before you go get your hair braided Because it will block the pain It will help ease any of those effects so even though they are different, they promote the same thing and that is to stop pain to um, attack pain when it's happening to you so even though they are spread out and everyone doesn't take you know the same exact thing, they are giving off the same effects I feel buffering. Ibuprofen is one of the things that you can take to not only stop pain, but it it stops inflammation. So, even though they have different uh, jobs to do, they all attack the same job. So, as our ordeals, even though they are different ordeals, They have been put in effect, they've been been hit to get started, to cause the same type of feelings in different ways, in different areas, at different times. I like to think that we are becoming more aware of our spiritual existence, because if you do not realize that you have a spiritual um, existence, then you're going to continue to operate out of your flesh and thinking that your worth is just fleshly. And if you don't have any value in carnally, I'll say, in your, your flesh, then you won't be able to move forward does that make sense in a spiritual way and I might have turned that around or switched that some type of way but at any rate it is important for you to learn and to find out or should I say it was important for me to learn and to find out because this this program has been personally aimed at getting me to move to a better me, I've been blessed to have someone, um, a group of people actually uh, be injected into my life, or should I say, I've been injected into theirs because God said, Okay, you <laughs> no more excuses. So, I was actually pushed to be before you. Because if you look back and catch some of my um, recordings, you will find that I have been before you. But nothing like I have been before you during this time, because, like I said earlier, I was finding every excuse to not be before you because of dealing with my own insecurities. Um, rather, it was by um, coming from being abused, crooked face, all these other uh, things—the uh, teeth falling out. With I'm telling you. Two, but I think I got maybe three, four left. They might fall out in front of you right now. The the, the me that I am now, that I have been pushed to, to be, and that is, show up. Do it anyway. You don't know what to do. Do it anyway. Get out there. Write it down. People need to know. You said you have a heart to, to let people know what you've been through. All right. You You know that a testimony saves a life. Your testimony is what people are waiting for. Regardless of whether you're still dealing with things or not, get out there. You said you wrote a book. Okay, you said people read it. Okay, well, let's hear from you. What is your testimony? What do, what do you have to say? And since I've been pushed out there, so anything might happen in front of you. I can't use those as excuses anymore to stay going or or, or not let you all know what is going on so I'm definitely going to um, sit down and bring that um, the outline before you so that you will be able to uh, look at and see how much this program means not only to me but to those who have participated in it and there have been some that have come and they they didn't stay long however they got um some of the wealth of the program and they they took that with them and they are living um on those nuggets of changing the way that they were accepting things for themselves and to date from my understanding they are continuing to be abuse free so one of the things that i want you to understand is that we're in this together and that this is a spiritual attack more than a, a physical attack that's true and that's part of the thing of letting letting us know that one of the things that we have been fooled with is the knowledge that we are doing this all on our own well we're not We have an adversary, and we get that knowledge from Almighty God. And we were told that we have him coming against us because he's mad. So when someone is mad, they act out on that. If they they feel like they've been neglected, they act out on that. So, there's a lot of things that come into play with, say that again. So, when we think about abuse, think about where it actually comes from. Yeah. Only, and this is why I, I continue to say this, and that is, only... The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. When you're destroying it, that means you don't want it existing. You want it done, gone. Only thing that comes up against love is hate. Only thing that does not want peace is confusion. And God is not. The author of confusion. There's only a few things that we have to keep in our mind to help us to understand that we deserve more than what abuse wants us to accept. That we mean more than what abuse wants us to think we mean. Does that make sense? Okay, so, I'm going to share some information with you all, and one of those things is, and I say again, thank you so much for allowing me to be before you, thank y'all so much for your patience with me, I love y'all, if you never heard it before, you're hearing it today, know that um, my children and grandchildren, and those who know me, am I too, yeah, let's fix that right there, boom. Okay, <laughs> people that know me know that I am full of hugs and smooches, smooching, because it is something that helps you to know that you are valued. And one of the things that um, I have found was that the enemy hates those type of things, so why wouldn't I do what I know God loves, because if the enemy hates it, God's got to love it, right, okay, so, what I want to do is talk to you about, I'm going to find what I was looking for up here, because we're going to go through this, I'm going to share this, we're going to watch something, And I want you to know that it's going to be two of them. And we're going to watch it. And that's what I'm getting ready to talk to you about about right now. We're not ready to talk. We're not ready to watch it right now. But we are going to watch it. And thank you again for um, being patient with me. I'm still learning how to do this tech thing. I'm working on stuff where I can get it together. But I'm doing better, y'all. Which is a plus for me. I've checked my own box. And that's something I want you all to do. And that is to encourage yourself to do more. So that you can check your own boxes. A great support group is that of the ATS team. They're a great support group. One of the people that I'm getting ready to um, talk to you about is um, one of the people that is... A member of the ATS team she is one of the counselors that has given her information so that if you are in need of any counseling you need to um, talk about anything you can get in contact with her so I'm going to give you these uh, this information right quick so hopefully you have a pen and paper available so that you can write this information down it is spontaneous queen and you can reach her at 281 806 53. I mean, yeah, 5366. Again, that contact number is 821. I mean, 281. I'm just messing it all up, y'all. Scratch it. Scratch it. Let me fix my face to fix, say this right. Okay. Reach Spontaneous Queen. At 281-806-5366. Got to get rid of this nervousness, y'all. But I'm still here. I'm doing it. You heard me? <laughs> Sometimes I look and I'm like, hey, yeah, you need to do better. But I'm here. Like I said, the ATS and his team has pushed me out and said, let's get it moving. Let's get it moving. And I have been transparent with you all and let you all know that there's a force that is working behind them that is helping me to get where I need to go. And which is one of the reasons why I continue to tell you all about them. And that is because anytime you find someone that is helping you, you want that help for someone else. True? Okay. Which is why you continue to hear me mention them. As I get um, better at doing things, I will have uh, better information. That's fact. That's that. um, again, the number for Spontaneous Queen, which is one of the counselors that you can reach, is, her phone number is 381, I mean 281. her email address should you want to just send her some questions contact her that way, explain your situation, get to, to know what you can do in your next move, that is spontaneousqueen at gmail dot com Okay If you are in immediate danger and If you Want to contact someone that is going to help you get to a better place than where you are now There is a hotline for domestic abuse that is 1-800-799 Seven two three three again one eight hundred seven nine nine seven two thirty three and you can also text to eight eight seven eight eight the word start START you can text the word start to 88788. And again, I will repeat, uh, reaching Spontaneous Queen. You can also reach her on Facebook, Instagram, and I'm sure she's on some other places, uh, YouTube also. Um, definitely reach out to her. Her email address is spontaneous queen S-P-O-N-P-A-N. E-O-U-S-Q-U-E-E-N at gmail.com And her contact number is 281-806-5366 So make sure you contact her and um, let her know what's going on because she can definitely help you. She will... Uh, Show you the the next best step to take. So one of the things I want to talk to you about today with being able to say, say that again, is the information that we went over last week and the week before, prior to that week, and that is all of the things that cause an incubation for doubt, fear, that gives birth to guilt, unworthiness, that give that that makes you or causes you to give your blessings away, um, which gives birth to complaining, which gives to which gives birth to inferiority. All of these things, all of these together. Put on you the feeling of undeservingness, which ends up giving you that worthless feeling. And all of these things, I would love to know that you are writing them down. Um, Definitely, it would be in your best favor. Your best favor would be in your favor to write these things down. So that you will be able to look at them and see where you are being affected by any of these things. Doubt, fear, uh, guilt, unworthiness, inferiority, um, undeservingness, and worthlessness. So that you can find out where you can tweak your life. Where you can set it up where you can get the best of who you are and what you are putting out. Not just for someone else, but for yourself. Because all of these things hold you back. If you go on um, the site where Spontaneous Queen is doing a book review. And the book review is called The Mountain Is You. When I tell you this is awesome, which is what we are going to look at today. Okay? So I'm going to get ready to to share this with you, and we're going to go over chapters 2 and chapter 3. But by all means, if you are looking for Someone to help you to go over this book with please by all means go on the site uh, of Facebook um, And find spontaneous queen She's doing a book review and this is the book that she is reviewing and that is the mountain is you I just found that it was so interesting that um, Around this whole Thing this mountain is pouring out. Is pouring out what we have been talking about: those things—doubt, fear, uh, guilt, unworthiness, inferiority, all these things, um, undeservingness—which causes us to feel worthless. And there are some things that we have to address within ourselves, the abuser himself or herself themselves, um, these are something that they, that they have to address within themselves and find out why do they feel like they have to hurt, fight, kill, steal, and destroy what's happening there and how you letting that in. I, I truly feel like we have to get past, like I said earlier, this, this feeling that We only are living and or have to live through our flesh and put on a facade that we're living spiritually. But in actuality, we're pushing everything away spiritually and living in the flesh. When if we were to live toward the spirit, it would guide us To lead the flesh instead of the flesh leading us. Does that make sense? I feel like I said something right there. (laughs) But that is how I have had to uh, learn to live because abuse was trying to kill me. When God came and told me, I know the plan that I have for you. And it's to prosper you, not to hurt you. But abuse was trying to kill me, steal my life, and destroy my life. Destroy everything I I was living for. I was living for my children. I was living for God. I was living for my husband. These are the things that I was living for. And yet, abuse came to kill, steal, and destroy. So this book, The Mountain Is You, I wanted us to um go into it. So I'm going to go over do some well we're going to read well I'm not going to read it. <laughs> we're going to look at this uh chapters uh 2 and 3 because they are hard hitting. And for the rest of it I certainly hope that you all will uh catch up with uh spontaneous queen going her sight. Uh, Facebook, and you can find her doing that book review. So if you give me a short, just like you have been uh, with me and patient with me, uh, to set up, one day I'm going to have a remote control, y'all. I'm going to put this camera on and that camera on. I'm going to be like this and that. Y'all watch out. But y'all keep hanging with me, okay? That, mm, you and I, never. okay. (laughs) I'll be right back. Y'all going to count like we did last time? Okay, let's get it cracker-lacking. Get this started. I'm so excited. Ooh, y'all, when I heard this. I certainly hope y'all have a pen and paper ready. Y'all don't have to be in the dark about anything, truth be told. So let's get some light on our lives and change the course for ourselves so that we will be more than conquerors and that we can be able to not only plant better but be conquerors. Can we do that? Can y'all see that? Hope y'all can see that. I think, uh, let's see if I can make this just a little bit more visible for you all. Let's see. It looks like you're not able to see the writing. Um, are you able to see that? Okay. So it says, there's no such thing as self-sabotage. Dum-dum-dum. Y'all ready? Okay, here we go.
1: Thing is self-sabotage. When you habituate yourself to do things that move your life forward,
2: I've got it. skills. Over. The mountain is you. Chapter 2. There's no
1: such thing as self-sabotage. When you habituate yourself to do things that move your life forward, you call them skills. When they hold your life back, you call them self-sabotage. They are both essentially the same function, sometimes, it happens, by accident. Sometimes, we just get used to living a certain way and fail to have a vision for how life could be different. Sometimes, we make choices because we don't know how to make better ones or that anything else is even possible. Sometimes, we settle for what we're handed because we don't know we can ask for more. Sometimes, we run our lives on autopilot for long enough that we begin to think we no longer have a choice. However, most of the time, it's not accidental at all. The habits and behaviors you can't stop engaging in, no matter how destructive or limiting they may be, are intelligently designed by your subconscious to meet an unfulfilled need, displaced emotion, or neglected desire, Overcoming self-sabotage is not about trying to figure out how to override your impulses, it is first determining why those impulses exist in the first place. Self-sabotage is often misunderstood to be a way in which we punish, deride, or intentionally hurt ourselves. On the surface, this seems true enough. Self-sabotage is committing to a healthier diet and finding yourself pulling up to the drive through a few hours later. It's identifying a market gap, conceiving an unprecedentedly brilliant business idea, then getting distracted and forgetting to begin working on it. It's having strange and terrifying thoughts and allowing them to paralyze you in the face of important life changes or milestones. It is knowing you have so much to be grateful for and excited about and yet worrying anyway. We often misattribute these behaviors to a lack of intelligence, willpower, or capability. That is usually not the case. Self-sabotage is not a way we hurt ourselves, it's a way we try to protect ourselves. What is self-sabotage? Self-sabotage is when you have two conflicting desires. One is conscious, one is unconscious. You know how you want to move your life forward, and yet you are still, for some reason, stuck, when you have big, ongoing, insurmountable issues in your life especially when the solution seems so simple, so easy, and yet so impossible to stick with. What you have are not big problems but big attachments. People are pretty incredible in the fact that they basically do whatever they want to do. This is true of everything in human life. Regardless of the potential consequences, human nature has revealed itself to be incredibly self-serving. People have an almost superhuman way of doing whatever they feel compelled to do, regardless of whom it could hurt, what wars it could spawn, or what future would be put at risk. When you consider this, you begin to realize that if you're keeping something in your life, there has to be a reason you want it there. The only question is why. Some people can't figure out why they can't seem to motivate themselves enough to create a new business to facilitate their goal of becoming significantly wealthier, perhaps not realizing that they have a subconscious belief that to be rich is to be egocentric or disliked. Or perhaps they actually don't want to be super wealthy. Maybe it's a cover-up for wanting to feel secure and taken care of, or their real desire is to be recognized for their art, and as this feels too unlikely to ever happen, they fall back on a secondary dream that doesn't actually motivate them. Some people say that they want to be successful at any cost and yet don't want to log the hours of work it would take to get there. Perhaps it is because they understand at some level that being successful doesn't really make you happy nor liked. In fact, the opposite tends to be true. Success usually exposes you to jealousy and scrutiny. Successful people are not loved in the way that we imagine they would be, they are usually picked apart because envious people need to humanize them in some way. Perhaps instead of being successful, what many really want is just to be loved, and yet their ambition for success directly threatens that. Some people can't figure out why they keep choosing the wrong relationships. People whose patterns of rejection, abuse, or refusal to commit seem to be consistent. Perhaps they don't realize that they are actually recreating the relationship dynamics they experienced when they were young because they associate love with loss or abandonment. Perhaps they want to recreate family relationships in which they felt helpless, but to live them again as an adult where they can help the addict, the liar, or the broken person when it comes to self-sabotaging behaviors you have to understand that sometimes it's easy to get attached to having problems being successful can make you less liked finding love can make you more vulnerable making yourself less attractive can guard you playing small allows you to avoid scrutiny procrastinating puts you back in a place of comfort All the ways in which you are self-sabotaging are actually ways that you are feeding a need you probably do not even realize you have. Overcoming it is not only a matter of learning to understand yourself better, but realizing that your problems are not problems, they are symptoms, you cannot get rid of the coping mechanisms and think you've solved the problem. What does self-sabotage look like? It's impossible to say decisively what self-sabotage does or doesn't look like because certain habits and behaviors that can be healthy for one person can be unhealthy in another context. With that said, there are definitely some specific behaviors and patterns that are typically indicative of self-sabotage, and they usually relate to being aware that there's a problem in your life, yet feeling the need to perpetuate it regardless. Here are some of the main signs that you're probably in a cycle of self-sabotage. Resistance Resistance is what happens when we have a new project that we need to work on and simply can't bring ourselves to do it. It's when we get into a great new relationship and then keep bailing on plans. It's when we get an amazing idea for our business and then feel tension and anger when it comes time to sit down and actually get to work. We often feel resistance in the face of what's going right in our lives, not what's going wrong. When we have a problem to solve, resistance is usually nowhere to be found. But when we have something to enjoy, create, or build, we are tapping into a part of ourselves that is trying to thrive instead of just survive, and the unfamiliarity can be daunting. How to resolve this? Resistance is your way of slowing down and making sure that it's safe to get attached to something new and important. In other cases, it can also be a warning sign that something isn't quite right, and you might need to step back and regroup. Resistance is not the same thing as procrastination or indifference and shouldn't be treated as such. When we are experiencing resistance, there is always a reason, and we have to pay attention. If we try to force ourselves to perform in the face of resistance, it usually intensifies the feeling, as we are strengthening the internal conflict and triggering the fear that's holding us back in the first place. Instead, releasing resistance requires us to refocus. We have to get clear on what we want as well as when and why we want it. We have to identify unconscious beliefs that are preventing us from showing up, and then we have to step back into the work when we feel inspired. Wanting is the entryway to showing up after resistance. Hitting your upper limit. As discussed before, there is only a certain amount of happiness that most of us will allow ourselves to feel. Gay Hendricks calls this your upper limit. Your upper limit is essentially the amount of good that you're comfortable having in your life. It is your tolerance and threshold for having positive feelings or experiencing positive events when you begin to surpass your upper limit. You start to unconsciously sabotage what's happening in order to bring yourself back to what's comfortable and familiar. For some people, this manifests physically, often as aches, pains, headaches, or physical tension. For others, it manifests emotionally as resistance, anger, guilt, or fear. It might seem totally counterintuitive, but we are not really wired to be happy. We are wired to be comfortable, and anything that is outside of that realm of comfort feels threatening or scary until we are familiar with it. How to resolve this? Hitting your upper limit is a really great sign. It means that you're approaching and surpassing new levels of your life and that is first and foremost something to congratulate yourself for. The way you resolve an upper limit problem is by slowly acclimating yourself to your new, normal, instead of shocking yourself into big changes, allow yourself to slowly adjust and adapt. By taking it slow, you are allowing yourself to gradually reinstate a new comfort zone around what you want your life to be. Over time, you gradually shift your baseline to a new standard. Uprooting Uprooting happens when someone finds themselves jumping from relationship to relationship or changing their business website again and again when they really need to focus on confronting relationship issues when they arise or taking care of clients they already have. In uprooting, you are not allowing your...
0: I just want to jump in right here and ask, is there anything that you can come up with in your own lives that you actually see happening in your life that will help you to deal with the things that are are not stable because this is what we're talking about being able to get that done does that make sense being able to not keep jumping from thing to thing to thing to thing to thing but to find out why you are jumping from thing to, thing to thing to thing to thing to thing including uh like what we said rather it be customers in a new business or rather you know what i mean being able to have this information for yourselves i found this oh my god this is so good let's continue
1: self to blossom you are only comfortable with the process of sprouting, it might be constantly needing a fresh start, which is often the result of not having healthy ways to deal with stress or struggling with conflict resolution. Uprooting can be a way of diverting attention from the actual problems in your life, as your attention must go toward re-establishing oneself at a new job or in a new town. Ultimately, uprooting means you are always just beginning your new chapter but never really finishing it. Despite your efforts to keep moving on, you end up more stuck than ever before. How to resolve this? First, recognize the pattern. One of the primary symptoms of uprooting is not realizing that one is doing it. Therefore, the most important step is to become aware of what's happening. Trace back your steps over the past few years. How many places have you moved or worked? Then figure out what is driving you away from each new thing you find, Next, you need to get clear on what you really want. Sometimes, uprooting occurs because we step too quickly toward what we think we want, only to find that we didn't think it through and don't really want that thing very much. Clarity is key because you're thinking long-term now. What would it look like to choose one place to live, then build connections there? What would it look like to work at the same place and move up in your position or build your business? Remember that healing from an uprooting pattern is not about settling for something you don't want, nor is it about staying in an unsafe or unhealthy situation because you don't want to move again. It's about getting clear and determined on what's the right path for you and then making a plan for how you can thrive, not just survive. When the moment comes that you would typically flee, confront the discomfort and stay where you are. Figure out why you are uncomfortable getting attached to one thing or another, and determine what a healthy attachment would look like for you. Perfectionism When we expect that our work must be perfect the first time we do it, we end up getting into a cycle of perfectionism. Perfectionism isn't actually wanting everything to be right. It's not a good thing. In fact, it is a hindering thing, because it sets up unrealistic expectations about what we are capable of or what the outcomes of our lives could be. Perfectionism holds us back from showing up and trying, or really doing the important work of our lives. This happens because when we are afraid of failing, or feeling vulnerable, or not being as good as we want others to think we are, we end up avoiding the work that is required to actually become that good. We sabotage ourselves because it is the willingness to show up and simply do it, again and again and again, that ultimately brings us to a place of mastery. How to resolve this? Don't worry about doing it well, just do it don't worry about writing a bestseller. Just write. Don't worry about making a Grammy-winning hit, just make music. Don't worry about failing, just keep showing up and trying. At first, all that matters is that you do what you really want to do. From there, you can learn from your mistakes and over time get to the place where you really want to be. The truth is that we actually do not accomplish great feats when we are anxious about whether or not what we do will indeed be something impressive and world-changing. We accomplish these sorts of things when we simply show up and allow ourselves to create something meaningful and important to us, instead of perfection, focus on progress. Instead of having something done perfectly, focus on just getting it done. From there, you can edit, build, grow, and develop it to exactly what your vision is. But if you don't get started, you'll never arrive. Limited Emotional Processing Skills In life, there are going to be people, situations, and circumstances that are upsetting, infuriating, saddening, and even enraging. There will likewise be people, situations, and circumstances that are inspiring, hopeful, helpful, and truly offer purpose and meaning in your life. When you are only able to process half of your emotions, you stunt yourself. You start going out of your way to avoid any possible situation that could bring up something frustrating or uncomfortable, because you have no tools to be able to handle that feeling. This means that you start avoiding the very risks and actions that would ultimately change your life for the better. In addition, an inability to process your emotions means you get stuck with them. You sit and dwell on your anger and sadness, because you don't know how to make them go away. When we can only process half of our emotions. We ultimately only live half of the life we really want to. How to resolve this? Healthy emotional processing looks different for everyone, but generally involves these steps. Get clear on what happened, validate your feelings, determine a course correction. First, you need to understand why you're upset or the reason why something is bothering you so much. Without clarity on this, you'll continue to waste your time mulling over the details without really understanding what's hurting you so much. Next, you have to validate how you feel. Recognize that you are not alone. Anyone in your situation would...
0: Do y'all get that we sometimes fall short of validating ourselves? We, We actually look for someone else to validate us, to validate our feelings, to validate what we want. But we can do that. I love how this helps us to understand that we are worth validating, which is why um, I love the fact that God has given me this task to uh, attack abuse because it's self-abuse to ignore and not to validate ourselves.
1: Probably feel similarly and does, and that what you feel is absolutely okay. In doing this, you can allow yourself a physical release such as crying, shaking, journaling about what you feel, or talking to a trusted friend, once you are clear on what's wrong and have allowed yourself to fully express the extent of your emotions, you can determine how you will change your behavior or thought process so that you get an outcome that you really want in the future. Justification. Your life is ultimately measured by your outcomes, not your intentions. It is not about what you wanted to do or would have done but didn't have the time. It's not about why you thought you couldn't. It's just whether or not you eventually did. When you're in a pattern of self-sabotaging behavior, you're often treating those excuses the same way you would treat measurable outcomes. You're using them to make yourself feel momentarily satisfied, using them as a replacement for the accomplishment itself. When we have a goal, dream, or plan, there is no measure of intent. It is only whether you did it or did not. Any other reason you offer for not showing up and doing the work is simply you stating that you prioritize that reason over your ultimate ambition, which means that it will always take precedence in your life. You may also be using excuses to help navigate away from uncomfortable feelings that are ultimately necessary for your growth. How you resolve this? Start measuring your outcomes and focusing on at least doing one productive thing each day. It's no longer about how many days you really wanted to go to the gym. It's about how many days you did it's no longer about wanting to show up for your friends it's whether or not you did it's no longer about the great ideas you had about how to change your business it's about whether or not you did stop accepting your own excuses stop being complacent with your own justifications start quantifying your days by how many healthy positive things you accomplished and you will see how quickly you begin to make progress disorganization by leaving
0: sounds like to me we have to be rewired to be responsible for ourselves is that what it sound like to y'all y'all let me know in the chat okay but yeah just saying
1: our lives and spaces in disarray we are not just mindlessly forgetting to take care of our surroundings we are often actually creating distractions and chaos that serve an unconscious purpose a clean organized space both for work and for living, is essential to thriving. This means a tidy home, clothes that are easy to reach and put together each morning, a clean kitchen, and an organized desk. Paperwork should be filed in one space, your bedroom should be calming. And everything should have a home that it can return to at the end of the day. Without cleanliness, we create fewer opportunities for ourselves. Nothing positive, nor beautiful, flows from chaos. Deep down, we know this. Often, when we are self-sabotaging through disorganization, it is because when we are very clean or organized, we get an uneasy feeling. That uneasy feeling is what we are trying to avoid, because it is the recognition that now that everything is in order, we must get to work on doing what we need to do or who we want to become. When we leave our spaces messy, we are always a few tasks or priorities away from stepping out and showing up. How to resolve this like anything you need to start slow and adjust yourself over time to declutter and reorganize start with one room and if that is too much try one corner drawer or closet work on that and only that and then implement a routine that maintains the organization from there start arranging your space so that it works for you not against you put something soothing on your bedside table like a diffuser or create an organized family calendar in the kitchen so appointments and schedules are visible to others. If you have trouble with the mail being disorganized, create a spot for it to go when it comes in each day. If you have trouble with laundry being disorganized, create a system for it and decide on a day or two that you do the wash and do it in bulk. You must slowly let yourself get used to working at a clean desk, and eventually it will become second nature you'll begin to realize that you also feel so much less stressed and much more in control of your life. It is very hard to show up as the person you want to be when you are surrounded by an environment that makes you feel like a person you aren't. Attachment to what you don't really want. Sometimes, your dreams for your life are adopted from other people's preferences. In other cases, you determine what you want and then you outgrow your old ambitions. Sometimes, We fight endlessly to try to force ourselves to want something that we do not really want, and it always leaves us empty because it...
0: Do y'all understand why this is important to be listening to? I had to look within myself and find these things. Remember that this program is about um, abuse. people who have either been abused, have come close to being abused, have some friends or relatives or anyone that they may know who has been abused or is in that situation. These things help us to understand why we are dealing with abuse. We have to find a way that pulls us away from living someone else's dreams. It all comes into play when we wake up and realize that we need validation, not from someone else, but from ourselves, to realize that we are worth the fight. We are worth being worthy. We are worth being acknowledged, and if from no one else, by ourselves, to ourselves, and for ourselves.
1: Isn't a genuine desire? This is different than lacking motivation or experiencing resistance. Our inability to perform is not based in fear or lack of skill, it is based in an inherent knowing that this is not what we want for our lives. And perhaps we're feeling lost or unable to change our path. When you find yourself struggling with something, you have to ask yourself, do I actually want to do this? Do you want the job or do you just like how the title sounds? Are you in love with the person Or do you like the idea of the relationship? Are you still holding an outdated idea of what your greatest success will be? And if so, what would it look like to let that go? At the end of the day, self-sabotage sometimes functions to show us that we aren't quite on the right path yet, and that we need to re-evaluate to determine what would feel best for our lives, even if that means we disappoint some people or even our younger selves. We do not have to live the rest of our lives trying to achieve some measure of success we thought was. Ideal, and we were too young to understand who we even were. Our only responsibility is to make decisions for the person we have become, how to resolve this, be willing to accept that maybe your success story doesn't look the way that you once thought it might. Maybe the kind of success you're really hungry for is to feel at peace each day, or making your life about travel instead of work. Maybe it's about having thriving friendships or a happy relationship. Maybe the business you got into 10 years ago isn't the business you want to be in forever. Maybe the work you thought you'd love isn't coming as naturally to you as you'd hoped. When we let go of what isn't right for us, we create space to discover what is. However, doing so requires the tremendous courage to put our pride aside and see things for what they really are. Judging others. We all know that gossiping, or judging other people's lives and choices, is not a healthy or positive way to connect with other people. However, it does far more damage than we realize, as it sets up barriers to our own success. If we feel bad about not being as successful as another person, we might try to find something negative about them to make ourselves feel better. If we do that every time we come across a person who is more successful than we are, we begin to associate that level of success with being disliked. When it comes time for us to take action to move our lives forward, we're going to resist doing it, because becoming more successful will create a breach in our self-concept. In other cases, you might have heard people you grew up around villainizing others who had money. They might have said things like, ugh, rich people are the worst. Maybe they chalked all wealthy people up to being morally corrupt. This sweeping characterization sealed itself in your subconscious, And now you find yourself sabotaging your own attempts to become financially healthy, because you associate it with guilt and being disliked. When we set up judgments for others, they become rules that we have to play by, too. By judging others for what we don't have or because we envy them, we sabotage our own lives far more than we ever really hurt anybody else. How to resolve this? Many people say that you have to love yourself first before you can love others, but really, if you learn to love others, you will learn to love yourself, practice non-judgment through non-assumption. Instead of reaching a conclusion about a person based on the limited information you have about them, consider that you're not seeing the whole picture and don't know the whole story. When you are more compassionate about other people's lives, you become more compassionate about your own. When you see someone who has something you want, congratulate them, even if it feels hard at first. It will extend back and open you up to receiving it as well, Pride. Pride is often involved in many of our worst decisions. Sometimes, we know a relationship is wrong, but the shame of leaving seems worse than staying. Sometimes, we start a business and realize we don't really like it very much or refuse to accept that we need to change or ask for help. In these cases, our pride is getting in the way. We are making decisions based on how we imagine people view our lives, not how they actually are. This is not only inaccurate, but it is also very unhealthy. How to resolve this? To overcome our attachment to pride, we have to start to see ourselves more wholly and honestly, instead of thinking that we need to prove to everyone around us how perfect and flawless we are, we can imagine ourselves more realistically, as people who, despite our weaknesses, are trying our best. In the end, It looks far worse to hold on to what's wrong because you care about what others think than it is to let go because that's what's right for you. People will respect you far more if you can acknowledge that you are an imperfect person, like everyone else, learning, adapting, and trying your best. In reaching this mindset, you also open yourself up to learning. By not assuming you know everything or that you need to seem perfect, you can admit when you're wrong, ask for assistance, and lean on others sometimes. Basically, you open yourself back up to growth, and your life is better for it over the long term. Guilt of succeeding. In a world of so much pain, horror, and misfortune, who are we to have happy, abundant lives? That's the thought process that so many people go through. One of the biggest mental barriers people face is the guilt that comes with finally having enough or more than one needs. This can come from many different sources, but it ultimately boils down to feeling as though you don't deserve to have it. This feeling often comes up when we start to earn more money or have nicer things. Often, people will sabotage their higher incomes with reckless discretionary spending or by being less vigilant about their clientele or workload because they are not quite comfortable having more than the basic necessities, and so they put themselves back into a comfortable feeling of lack. When it comes to success, guilt is an unfortunately common emotion. Especially for good-hearted people who want to do the right thing and live authentic lives, how to resolve this? Please realize that. Most extremely successful people have no guilt whatsoever. In fact, this feeling usually only comes up when you're stepping between not having enough and finally having enough. What you have to realize is that money and success are tools. They buy you back time and offer you the opportunity to help, employ, influence, and change the lives of others. Instead of looking at your success as a status differentiator, which will always make you feel bad and uncomfortable, see it instead as a tool with which you can do important and positive things in the world and your own life. Fear of failing. How often do we not even attempt something because we are afraid to look bad or fail immediately? The fear of failing is often something that holds people back from putting in the work they would need to become truly great at something but it can also take another, more insidious form. Once we have established something new in our lives, this fear can come up as a constant irrational worry that we're missing something, that our partner is being unfaithful, or that we're one misstep away from losing it all. These catastrophic thoughts happen when we want to shield ourselves from potential loss. They only come up when we finally have something we care enough about and really want to keep, how to resolve this. There is a difference between failing because you are trying something new and daring, and failing because you are not showing up, doing the work, or being responsible for your actions. These are two very different experiences and should be separated in your mind. As scary as it might be to not be great at something initially, or perhaps even experience a loss, it is even worse to fail by virtue of never trying and always playing small. Failure is inevitable, but you have to make sure it's happening for the right reasons when we fail out of negligence, we take a step back. When we fail because we are attempting new feats, we take one step closer to what will work, downplaying, when we downplay our successes in life. We are either trying to make ourselves seem less impressive so others do not feel threatened and therefore like us more, or we are trying to avoid the sense that we have made it because we are afraid of peaking. Though so many of us long for the moment when we feel as though we have finally arrived and achieved the measures of success we so deeply desire, we often receive them only to then feel as though they aren't that great, impressive, or that they don't make us feel as good as we thought they would. This happens because of downplaying. The idea of having made it makes us afraid that we are reaching the pinnacle and therefore will fall off of it. If we acknowledge that we've arrived, what goals remain? It is a feeling akin to death, so we instead find another measure to work toward. Likewise, when we are around other people, we do not stand firmly in our pride because we are taught it is a bad thing, and when done in an unhealthy way, it is. What we are sensing is the feeling of being better than others because we have achieved something. This makes us uncomfortable because we know it's both untrue and unkind. How to resolve this? We can all acknowledge and appreciate other people's diverse accomplishments and talents while still being happy about our own. Instead of shrugging off a compliment, we can respond by saying, Thank you, I worked very hard, and I'm happy to be here. If the fear is that we are peaking too soon, we have to reform our idea of progress. We do not get better only to get worse again. We do not achieve one thing only to lose it and return to what we were before. That instinct is a self-sabotaging behavior, one that wants to keep us within our old comfort zone. Instead, we can acknowledge that when one part of our life improves, it radiates out to everything else. When we achieve one thing, we are better equipped for the future. Life tends to gradually get better as we keep working on it. It only gets worse if we accomplish something then shut down because we are intimidated by our own power. Unhealthy habits This is the most common way that people sabotage their own success, by maintaining habits that are actively keeping them away from their goals. This is when someone declares that they want to be in better shape but doesn't change anything they do each day to facilitate that. Or when they want to make a change professionally but find ways to make it difficult if not impossible for them to actually do it. At the core of all these behaviors is the fact that one part of our psyche understands that we should be evolving and moving forward with our lives, and another part is intimidated by the potential discomfort it would bring. Usually, this culminates in so much inner tension and frustration that a breaking point is reached, and changes are made from there. However, the goal is to not have to get to a crisis point in your life before you can become aware of the ways you're holding yourself back from living peacefully and comfortably. How to resolve this? Define health on your own terms. What does a healthy life look like for you? How would it make you feel, and what would you be doing? It is difficult to look solely to anyone else's definition of healthfulness. Particularly because we are all different people with varying needs, preferences, and schedules. Instead, figure out what makes you feel best. Decide what combination of healthy eating, exercise, and sleep is right for you, and stick to it. Like so many things, healthy habits are best established gradually. Instead of trying to force yourself to take an hour at the gym at 6 a.m., try instead to do 15 minutes, or perhaps swap out with a class you really enjoy, or go at a time that works better for your schedule, make it easy for yourself to succeed. Prep your meals or keep water by your desk so you can sip it throughout the day. Gradually recondition yourself to prefer healthy habits, Ones that actually work for your lifestyle. Being busy. Another very common way that people sabotage is by distracting themselves to the point of being completely phased out of their lives. People who are constantly busy are running from themselves. Nobody is busy unless they want to be busy. And you will know that because so many people with extreme...
0: Did y'all get that? (laughs) How many times have you been busy and you didn't really need to be busy? That's crazy.
1: Extremely hectic schedules would never describe themselves that way. This is because being busy is not a virtue, it only signals to others that you do not know how to manage your time or your tasks. Being busy communicates importance, it often makes you seem a little untouchable to others. It also overwhelms the body so that it can only focus on the tasks at hand. Being busy is the ultimate way to distract ourselves from what's really wrong, how to resolve this if your schedule is unmanageable, you're never going to be as effective or productive as you could be. If this is the case, your first job has to be to streamline and prioritize your tasks in order of importance. Outsource whatever else you can, and then let go of the rest. If your issue is that you intentionally create chaos and busyness in your day when there is no need for it, you have to get comfortable with simplicity and routine. Start with writing down your top 5 tasks that need to be done each day, and then focus on doing those, and only those, you might also need to confront the sense of protection that being busy gives you. Does it make you feel more important than others? Does it give you an excuse to say no, to plans, or to avoid some people? You need to find healthier and more productive ways to cope with these feelings, such as finding genuine self-confidence in what you do by creating something you're proud of. Or getting better at calmly but clearly stating your boundaries and needs in relationships. Spending time with the wrong people. It's true that so much of our lives is shaped by the people we spend them with, and the company you keep is another common way that people self-sabotage. Certainly, you can think of some people in your life who stress you out, make you feel insecure, and yet keep you coming back for more. These relationships exist at the lighter end of the toxicity spectrum. But they are self-defeating nonetheless. If you find yourself preoccupied with a certain friendship or relationship that is making you feel almost addicted to the feeling of being less than, or jealous of, you need to gradually phase out of it. You don't need to be mean, rude, or even cut anyone out of your life. You do, however, need to understand that the people you spend the most time with will shape your future irrevocably, and so you must choose them wisely. How to resolve this, Work on building a circle of people who support and inspire you. Who have similar goals and enjoy spending time with you. You should leave a get together feeling energized and inspired, not exhausted and angry. It takes time to find your group of friends, and you may not discover that all at once. It could start with offering to take someone you admire out for coffee, or reaching out to do something with a person with whom you'd like to reconnect. Slowly but genuinely rebuild your connections and then foster and care for them as much as you can, worrying about irrational fears and least likely circumstances. Another very common way that people sabotage without realizing is by preoccupying themselves with fears of worst-case scenarios. You're probably familiar with this. At least to some degree, you have a weird or highly unlikely thought that evokes a deep sense of dread, fear, and series of doomsday scenarios in your head. You then keep coming back to it to the point that it even controls some part of your life. Irrational fears, especially the kind that are least likely to become reality, are often what we project real fears onto. These irrational fears are safe, because deep down, we know they aren't going to happen. They are placeholders, a way for us to express the feeling we really have onto something we know isn't going to happen, when you find yourself in a fear cycle, constantly repeating some strange, random, or unimportant one-off circumstance or situation that has a very low probability of becoming reality, ask yourself if you have any feelings about something related that is actually valid. For example, if you get anxious about being a passenger in a car, consider if your fear is of moving forward or being out of control. Or, if you're anxious about being fired from your job, the fear might really be the idea that you aren't worthy of another job or being humiliated by a higher-up. How to resolve this? Instead of wasting all of your energy trying to control some worst-case scenario, consider what the message of the fear may be and what it is telling you that you need in your life. If the fear was an abstract metaphor, what would the meaning be? Is the abrupt loss of income a symbol of your desire for security? Is the fear of the future a symbol for not living fully right now? Is the anxiety about making decisions a symbol for knowing what you really want and being too afraid to choose it? At the core of the things we most fear is a message that we are trying to send ourselves about what we really care about. If we can identify what we want to protect, we can find healthier and more secure ways to do it. How to tell if you're in a self-sabotage cycle, even if you can cognitively understand self-sabotaging behaviors, sometimes the most difficult shift is recognizing that we are engaging in them, in fact, sometimes the signs are so subtle they are barely recognizable and often don't come to our attention until they become highly problematic or someone else points them out. Some of the most prominent symptoms of self-sabotage are as follows. You are more aware of what you don't want than what you do, you spend more of your time worrying, ruminating, and focusing on what you hope doesn't happen than you do imagining, strategizing, and planning for what you do, you spend more time trying to impress people who don't like you than you spend with people who love you for who you are. You are more focused on growing into the kind of person who evokes the envy of your supposed enemies rather than the kind of person who is beloved by their family and friends and prioritizes them no matter what. You're putting your head in the sand. You don't know basic facts about your life, like how much debt you have or what other people in your field are being paid for similar work. When you get into an argument, you run away until you forget rather than talking about what's wrong and coming up with a solution. In other words, you are in denial, and so any hope of healing is futile. You care more about convincing other people you're okay than actually being okay. You'd rather post photos that make it look like you had a great time than being concerned about whether you actually had a good time. You put more effort toward trying to convince everyone you're doing well rather than being honest and connecting with people who could help or support you. Your main priority in life is to be liked, even if that comes at the expense of being happy. You think more about whether or not your actions will earn you the approval of people, who are people. By the way, rather than whether or not they will actually make you feel fulfilled and content with who you are, you're more afraid of your feelings than anything else. If you get to the point in life at which the scariest, most detrimental thing you face is the fear of whether or not you will be able to handle your own emotions, You are the one standing in your own way. Nothing else is. You're blindly chasing goals without asking yourself why you want those things. If you are doing everything you are supposed to be doing, and yet you feel empty and depressed at the end of the day, the issue is probably that you're not really doing what you want to be doing. You've just adopted someone else's script for happiness. You're treating your coping mechanisms as the problem, instead of trying to incite war on yourself to overcome your overeating, spending, drinking, sexing. Whatever it is you know you need to improve, ask yourself what emotional need that thing.
0: And that involves, like was mentioned earlier, being in the wrong relationship. That is not attacking who you are with. It is attacking the fact of you not realizing how valuable you are, your time is, your love is, your understanding of your own value is this program for abused women children and men is to help people to understand that you mean more than what abuse wants you to think you do you are valued more than what abuse wants you to think you are you are important you are needed but like what was said if you do not or should i and and i say all these things you all um to myself on a regular basis because remember i started this program because i was in an abusive relationship i am am a victor of an over abuse because I have to be told that I need more than what abuse wants me to think I do. We are valuable, we are important. We need to find our focal point, which in a a society that says that we are not supposed to be thinking about self, the only way that we can make others important or or uh, see the importance of someone else is to first see the importance in ourselves does that make sense the bottom line is that we have to do more than what abuse wants us to do and we have to do it for ourselves we have to see ourselves as more important than what that situation wants to uh, put us in or or cause us to die in
1: is filling until you do you will battle it forever you value your doubt more than your potential negativity bias makes us believe that bad things are more real than good and unless we keep that inclination in check it can leave us believing that everything we fear to be true is more real than the good things that are actually true you are trying to care about everything your willpower is a limited resource You only have so much in a day. Rather than using it to try to become good at everything, decide what matters most to you. Focus your attention on that, and let everything else slip away. You are waiting for someone else to open a door, offer approval, or hand you the life you have been waiting for. We grow up with the illusion that success is what's handed to people who are most deserving, talented, or privileged. When we arrive, however... We realize it is constructed by those who find an intersection of their interests. Passions, skills, and a market gap. Sprinkle on a little bit of persistence, and the only way to fail is to give up. You don't realize how far you've come, you are not the person you were five years ago. You evolve as your self-image does, so make sure that it's an accurate one. Give yourself credit for everything you've overcome that you never thought you would, and everything you've built that you never thought you could. You've come so much farther than you think, and you're so much closer than you realize. Identifying your subconscious commitments, part of the reason we often experience intense inner conflict or self-sabotage is because of something called the core commitments, which is essentially your primary objective or intention for your life. Your subconscious commitments are basically what you want more than anything else, and you often aren't even aware of them. You can identify your core commitments by looking at the things that you struggle with most and the things you are most driven by. If you can peel back the layers of your motivations toward each, you'll find a root cause. When you find the same root cause for everything, you've found a core commitment. People only seem irrational and unpredictable until you understand what they are fundamentally committed to. For example, if someone has a core commitment to feel free, they may find themselves sabotaging work opportunities in order to achieve that. If someone's core commitment is to feel wanted, they could find themselves in a series of relationships in which they have intense connections but refuse to make commitments out of fear that the spark will fade. If someone's core commitment is to be in control of their lives, they might have irrational anxiety about things that represent a loss of control. If someone's core commitment is to be loved by others, They might pretend to be helpless in certain areas of life because if they don't need others, they might be left by them. But the most important thing to understand is that your core commitments are actually a cover-up for core needs. Your core need is the opposite of your core commitment. Your core need is also another way to identify your purpose. For example, if your subconscious core commitment is to be in control, your core need is trust. If your subconscious core commitment is to be needed, your core need is to know you are wanted. If your subconscious core commitment is to be loved by others, your need is self-love. The less that you feed your core need, the louder your core commitment symptoms will be. If you are a person who needs trust and is therefore committed to staying in control, the less that you believe you are supported, the more your negative coping mechanisms are going to flare up. Perhaps this could happen in the form of disruptive eating patterns, isolating yourself, or hyperfixation on physical appearance. If you are committed to freedom and therefore need a sense of autonomy, the less that you build a life on your own terms, the more you are going to sabotage opportunities and feel drained and exhausted when you should feel happy, the more you lean into fulfilling your core needs, the more your commitment symptoms will disappear. Once you understand what a person really wants, You will be able to explain the intricacies of their habits and behaviors. You will be able to predict down to the detail what they will do in any given situation. More importantly, once you start asking yourself what you really want, you'll be able to stop battling the symptoms and start addressing the only issue that has ever really existed in your life, which is living out of alignment with your core needs and, therefore, your core purpose. Confronting repressed emotions and taking action. There is a difference between understanding why we self-sabotage and the act of no longer self-sabotaging. This means that once we understand the root and purpose of the behavior, we adjust it. We adapt. Overcoming self-sabotage is not just a matter of understanding why you're holding yourself back, it is being able to take action in the direction that you want and need to, even if it is initially uncomfortable or triggering. This is a very important part of the process because you are essentially going to be confronting the exact emotions you have been trying to avoid. When you stop engaging in self-sabotaging behavior, repressed emotions that you weren't even aware of will start to come up, and you might feel even worse than you did before. The thing about overcoming self-sabotage is that we don't often need to be told what to do. We know what we want to do, and we know what we need to do. It is simply that we are being held back by our fear of feeling. To begin to unravel this emotional holding pattern, we can work through the following to find more ease and space and freedom while we change our lives. The most common emotions that arise while you're breaking self-sabotaging behaviors, the first feeling you are likely to confront is resistance. This is that generalized sense of being stuck or your body feeling so tense that it is almost hard, as though you are hitting a wall. This feeling is usually a masking emotion that is preventing you from actually being aware of the sensations beneath it which are more acute. When you start to feel resistance, you don't want to just push through it. In fact, trying to do that means you'll keep hitting the same wall that you're up against already. You're going to strengthen the self-sabotaging behavior because you aren't really solving the problem by just trying to override it. Instead, start asking the right questions. Why do I feel this way? What is this feeling trying to tell me about the action I am trying to take? Is there something I need to learn here? What do I need to do to honor my needs right now? Then you have to reconnect to your inspiration or your vision for life. Get clear on why you want to take this action and make a change. When your motivation is the fact that you want to live a different and better existence, you're going to find that a lot of the resistance fades because you're being pushed by a vision that's greater than your fear. In other cases, you might run into other emotions such as anger, sadness, or inadequacy. When those feelings come up, it is very important to make space for them. This means to allow them to rise up in your body and observe them. Watch where they make you tense up or constrict. Feel what they want you to feel. There is nothing worse than the fear of feeling the emotion, as the experience itself is ultimately often just some physical tension around which we've crafted a story remember
0: that this is part of that what you have been hearing um all your life and that is stop judging people if you judge people you'll be judged well this is part of judging yourself finding out what's happening in you finding out what are your thought processes finding out what are your triggers finding out what's important to you, finding out what you really like, finding out the things that um, are going to take you to a higher life, uh, a greater way of existing.
1: A lot of these feelings may very well have a root in something related to the self-sabotaging behavior. If you are angry about how one of your parents treated you, it probably won't come as a surprise that the core feeling of why you are sabotaging your relationships is anger and mistrust. The feelings associated with self-sabotage are not usually random. In fact, they can lead us to deeper insights about what we really need and what problems within us are still unresolved. To fully release those feelings once you are aware of them, try writing yourself a letter. Write something to your younger self or from the perspective of your future self. Write down a mantra or a manifesto. Remind yourself that you love yourself too much to settle for less. Or that it is okay to be angry in unfair or frustrating circumstances. Give yourself space to experience the depth of your emotions so that they do not control your behaviors. Disconnecting action and feeling. The final and most important lesson to overcome self-sabotage is to learn to disconnect action from feeling. We are not held back in life because we are incapable of making change. We are held back because we don't feel like making change, and so we don't. The truth is that you can have a vision of what you want, know that it is undoubtedly right for you, and simply not feel like taking the action required to pursue that path. This is because our feelings are essentially wired as comfort systems. They produce a good feeling when we are doing what we have always done, staying in familiarity. This, to our bodies, registers as safety. In other cases, the accomplishments or changes that we are very happy about are those that we also perceive to offer us a greater measure of safety. If the achievement potentially puts us at risk in any way or exposes us to something unfamiliar, we aren't going to be happy about it initially, even if it is a net positive for our lives. However, we can actually train ourselves to prefer behaviors that are good for us. This is how we restructure our comfort zones. We begin to crave what we repeatedly do, but the first few times we do it, we often feel uncomfortable. The trick is being able to override that initial hesitation so we are guiding our lives with logic and reason, not emotionality. Though your emotions are always valid and need to be validated, they are hardly ever an accurate measure of what you are capable of in life. They are not always an accurate reflection of reality. All your feelings know is what you've done in the past, and they are attached to what they've drawn comfort from, you may feel as though you are worthless, but you most certainly are not. You may feel as though there is no hope, but there most certainly is. You may feel as though everyone dislikes you, but that is probably a gross over-exaggeration. You may think everyone is judging you, but that is a misperception, most importantly, you may feel as though you cannot take action when you most certainly can. You simply do not feel willing, because you are not used to it. By using logic and vision to guide ourselves, we are able to identify a different and better life experience. When we imagine this, we feel peaceful and inspired. To rise up to meet this version of our lives, we must overcome our resistance and discomfort. We will not feel happy initially, no matter how right for us those actions are. It is essential that you learn to take action before you feel like doing it. Taking action builds momentum and creates motivation. These feelings will not come to you spontaneously, you have to generate them. You have to inspire yourself, you have to move. You have to simply begin and allow your life and your energy to reorient itself, to prefer the behaviors that are going to move your life forward, not the ones that are keeping you held back. Audible is the best place to listen for everyone. So, for sci-fi people,
0: one people of the things
1: kind of turn this
0: y'all bear you with need me. To tell worry.
1: You've been with bear me long enough. Me, bear with me. The mountain
0: is <laughs> Chapter. So, one of the things that I certainly hope you all have gotten out of this is how important is you. you are. Another one of the things that I hope you all have gotten is that you are worth spending that extra time on, finding out what it is you like, finding out what it is you want to do, um, finding out how far in life you really want to go and knowing that you can go further than where you are. I certainly hope that everyone has had a pen and paper available and you are taking notes. Um, I definitely have taken mine, and I'm going to continue. We're going into uh, Chapter 3 of You Are the Mountain, and I will say again that um, Spontaneous Queen, uh, she is doing a review on this book, and you can find her on Facebook and YouTube. She is also one of the counselors for uh, this program for abused women, children, and men, and you can definitely contact her um, on Facebook. Her contact number is 281-806-5366. Her email address, should you have any questions, uh, comments you want to put before her, um, to speak with her about getting counsel, some counseling. Uh, it is spontaneousqueen at gmail dot com. That is s p o n t a n e o u s queen q u e e n at gmail dot com. She is available for you to ask questions to uh, set up counseling with to find out um, deeper for yourselves what you would like to be doing, where you would like to go, what is it you would like to accomplish in your life. She so you can help you uh, line these things up and get to another level in your life. We're going to continue with chapter three, your triggers are the guides to your freedom. Remember that this program for abused women, children, and men are here to help you get to the best part of you, the most excellent part of you.
1: Your triggers are the guides to your freedom. Now that you have begun to identify your self-sabotaging behaviors, you can use them to uncover deeper and more important truths about who you are as a person and what you really want and need out of life. This is an important part of the process because overcoming our self-defeating habits is not just about knowing what they are or why we engage in them. It is also about better understanding what our inherent needs are, what we really desire, and how we can use this as a pivot point to begin building a life that is aligned with who we really are and what we are here to do. Our triggers do not actually exist just to show us where we are storing unresolved pain. In fact, they show us something much deeper, each negative, emotion we experience comes with a message, one that we do not yet know how to interpret. This is when a single challenge begins to become a chronic issue. Unable to honor and use the guidance of the emotion, we shut the feeling down, store it in our bodies, and try to avoid anything that might bring it up again. This is when we become sensitive to the world around us, because there are a lot of repressed feelings mounting, on the surface, it seems as though the thing that triggers our emotional response is the problem. It is not. The problem is that we don't know what to do with how we feel and therefore do not have all of the emotional processing skills that we need. When we can identify why something is triggering us, we can use the experience as a catalyst for a release and positive life change. How to interpret negative emotions? Though everyone's particular triggers are unique to them, it helps to better understand the function of some of the feelings that we often condemn. Some of the emotions that are most strongly connected with self-sabotaging behaviors are actually important for us to better understand. It is not about simply getting over them, it is about listening to what they are trying to tell us about our experience. Anger. Anger is a beautiful, transformative emotion. It is mischaracterized by its shadow side, aggression, and therefore, we try to resist it. It is healthy to be angry, and anger can also show us important aspects of who we are and what we care about. For example, anger shows us where our boundaries are. Anger also.
0: Are y'all getting that? Most times, the abuser is angry, but they are angry about what? This. The mountain is you is so important. I'm so glad y'all are here to share this with me.
1: Helps us identify what we find to be unjust. Ultimately, anger is trying to mobilize us to initiate action. Anger is transformative and it is often the peak state we reach before we truly change our lives. This is because anger is not intended to be projected onto someone else, rather, it's an influx of motivation that helps us change what we need to change within our lives. When we do not see it as such, we tend to bury it, not ever resolving the real issue at hand. This is when anger starts to cross over into aggression, when we take that energy out on those around us as opposed to using it as an impetus to change ourselves. Instead of being afraid of anger, we can instead use it to help us see our limits and priorities more clearly. We can also use it to help us make big, important changes both for ourselves and the world around us. Sadness. Sadness is the normal and correct response to the loss of something you very much love. This is an emotion that often comes up in the aftermath of a disappointment. This could be the loss of a relationship, a job, or just a general idea of what you thought your life would be. Sadness only becomes problematic when we do not allow ourselves to go through the natural phases of grief. Sadness does not release itself all at once. In fact, we often find that it happens in waves, some of which strike us at unexpected times. We do not ever need to feel embarrassed or wrong for needing to cry, feel down, or miss what we no longer have. In fact, crying at appropriate times is one of the biggest signs of mental strength, as people who are struggling often find it difficult to release their feelings and be vulnerable. Guilt Guilt tends to affect us more for what we didn't do than what we did. In fact, people who struggle the most with guilt are the people who are not actually guilty of something terrible. People who commit heinous acts tend to not feel much remorse. The fact that you feel bad that you could have done wrong by someone is a good sign in itself. However, guilt requires us to look deeply at what behaviors, if any, we feel badly about as well as what we may have done that was not in our best interest. If we have treated others unfairly, we must be able to admit, apologize, and correct that behavior. However, if the feeling of guilt is more generalized and not specifically relating to any one incident, we need to look closely at who or what made us always feel as though we were wrong or inconveniencing others. Guilt is often an emotion we carry from childhood and then project onto current circumstances when we felt as though we were burdens to those around us. Embarrassment. Embarrassment is what we feel when we know that we did not behave in a way that we are proud of other people. Can never make us feel as embarrassed as we make ourselves feel. When you are truly and completely confident that you are doing the best you can with what you have in front of you, you stop feeling embarrassed all the time. Sure, others can make you feel bad with their comments or ideas, but even their worst judgments tend to be neutralized when we accept ourselves and feel proud of who we are. Shame is the shadow side of embarrassment. This is when the natural, occasional feeling of being embarrassed turns into a way for us to completely condemn ourselves as human beings and begin to see ourselves as worthless and invalid, when we do not process the feeling of embarrassment, it tends to turn into something far darker jealousy. Jealousy is a cover-up emotion. It presents as anger or judgment, when in reality it is sadness and self-dissatisfaction. If you want to know what you truly want out of life, look at the people who you are jealous of. No, you may not want exactly what they have, but the feeling that you are experiencing is anger that they are allowing themselves to pursue it, while you are not. When we use our jealousy to judge other people's accomplishments, we are siding into its shadow function. When we use our jealousy to show us what we would like to accomplish, we begin to recognize the self-sabotaging behavior and get ready to commit to what we actually desire. You can think of it this way. When we see someone who has something we really want, but we are suppressing our willingness to pursue it, we must also condemn it in them so we can justify our own course of action. Instead of this, we can see what we'd also like to create. Resentment. When we resent people, It is often because they did not live up to the expectation of them that we had in our minds. Resentment, in some ways, is like a projected regret. Instead of trying to show us what we should change, it seems to want to tell us what other people should change. However, other people are under no obligation to live up to our ideas of them. In fact, our only problem is that we have an unrealistic expectation that someone was meant to be exactly as we think they should or love us exactly as we imagined they would. When we are faced with resentment, what we instead must do is reinvent our image of those around us or those we have perceived as having wronged us. Other people are not here to love us perfectly, they are here to teach us lessons to show us how to love them, and ourselves, better, when we release the ideas we have about who they should be, we can see them for who they are and the role they are meant to play in our lives. Instead of focusing on how they should change, we can focus instead on what we can learn. Regret Much like jealousy, regret is also another way that we show ourselves not what we wish we could have done in the past, but what we absolutely need to create going forward. The truth is that most people regret what they did not do more than they ever regret what they did. This isn't a coincidence. Regret isn't actually trying to just make us feel bad that we didn't live up to our own expectations. It is trying to motivate us to live up to them going forward. It is trying to show us what it is absolutely imperative to change in the future and what we really care about experiencing before we die. Didn't travel when you were young. Regret is showing you that you should do it now. Didn't look as nice as you wanted to. Regret is showing you that you should try harder. Made choices that didn't reflect your best self. Regret is showing you that you should make different ones now. Didn't love someone while you had them. Regret is showing you that you should appreciate people now. Chronic fear.
0: When we cannot stop returning to fearful thoughts, it is not... I just want to ask the question um, to give y'all some extra, or to give us some extra thought material, and that is how many times have you found regret in your life? And, And what did you do with it? This is so important
1: always because there is an actual threat in front of us often it is because our internal response systems are underdeveloped or sidelined by trauma when we are in a state of fearful thinking it doesn't matter what we are afraid of the thought process follows us from problem to problem often there's a metaphor encoded within it for example We may be afraid of an ultimate loss of control or some external force coming in and unraveling our progress. Regardless, chronic fearful thinking often comes back down to feeling the need to focus our energy and attention on a potential threat so we can protect ourselves from it. We imagine that if we are worried, anxious, or angry about it, it will remain within our awareness and therefore cannot surprise us. We can retain some control over it. The very act of holding these fearful thoughts within our minds is exactly how the fear is controlling us in the first place. It is derailing our lives right now, because we are channeling our energy into something that is outside of our control, as opposed to using it for everything that is actually within our control, the habits, actions, and behaviors that would actually move our lives forward.
2: In this sense, what
1: we are afraid of is really a projection of what's already happening the only true way to get over chronic fear is actually to get through it. Instead of trying to battle, resist, and avoid what we cannot control, we can learn to simply shrug and say, and if that happens, it happens. The second we are able to shrug, laugh, or even just throw our hands up and say, whatever, it will be fine, we instantly take back all of our power. What keeps the fire of fear raging is the idea that if we accept what we
0: did y'all understand that well did you get that statement that is taking back your own power this program for abused women children and men is to help you to gain tools to help you take back your own power fear does not do that if you take fear and you feed the fear and that fear being based on who you are allowing to rule, ruin, and rage in your life, then you don't have any power. What you have to do is like what was said and that is say whatever and then begin to find out what are you in fear of and why to know that you are the mountain and that you have to come up with another process to help you to get out of this abusive relationship to help you redirect your attention and that is to focus on what you need to do for you what's best for you to find your strength and this is so important And like I say, this is my journey, and I'm glad that you all are here because it is important for us to get to a place where we can get our fear. And let me take this time by saying we have been graced with one of the uh, uh, queens that also have great information. If you can find her, she's on Facebook also, and it is uh, Queen Chi. She is phenomenal. She has a program also that helps to rear people into a relationship with themselves that help them to get out of uh, things that are not serving them. So just
1: wanted to put that out there.
0: Hi, Quincy. So glad that you grace me with your presence.
1: We are afraid of. We are giving in to the worst potential outcome. The truth is that when we stop being afraid of what we cannot control and know instead that nothing can possibly ruin our lives more than we are ruining them with our negative, distracted, and irrational thinking and focus, we are completely free. When we are in full acceptance, fear leaves our consciousness and becomes a non-issue. It is at this point we realize that it always was. Our internal (laughs) guidance systems whisper until they scream. The things that are bothering you most right now are not external forces trying to torture you for the sake of it. They are your own mind identifying what in your life can be fixed, changed, and transformed. If you continue to not take action, the siren will only get louder. And if you never learn to listen to it, you will probably just disassociate from it and then be a victim to it. You already have the answers. You all-
0: Y'all get that? <laughs> we don't have to be victims be a victor for yourself understand that you are so much more important than what abuse wants you to think you are you are so much more valuable you are worth more all of these things one of the things that that helped me to get before you all is being able to address myself, to be honest with myself and say, do you want other people that can come out of abuse to stay in abuse? My answer was, I don't want them to stay in abuse. Then that means that Sandra, you have to be the person that you want to see. And that is being a victor over abuse. In order to be a victor over abuse, then you have to listen to the instructions. When I was told that the purpose for my life is not to be hurt, it changed something in me. It changed something. And something in you should change when you are being told that you mean more than what abuse wants you to think you do. You are far more important than what abuse wants you to accept. But the work comes only when you acknowledge you. When you validate your feelings of wanting to be happy. When you validate the fact that you want more than what abuse is offering you. Just saying. That's Sandra Lucky just saying, just saying, y'all. Don't be a victim. Be a victim.
1: You know what you're here to do. You are here to create everything that would make you happier than you can imagine. It is only a matter of quieting your mind enough so you can feel all of the unlimited potential that is begging you to be used. There's no such thing as self-sabotage because the behaviors that you think are holding you back are really just meeting your needs. It's not a matter of trying to push yourself beyond them. It's a matter of seeing them for what they are and then finding better, healthier ways to fulfill them. Though we live in an age where people tend to tell us that we should be entirely self-sufficient, and to want or need another person's presence, validation, or company is a sign of self-insufficiency, that is not an accurate portrayal of what it means to be human, and it severely overlooks the reality of human nature and connection. Though many people are codependent and lean far too heavily on others to give them a sense of safety and self, leaning too far the other way, where you believe that you don't need anyone or anything and that you can do everything yourself, is not healthy either. They are two opposite manifestations of the same wounds, which are mistrust and the inability to connect. Your need to feel validated is valid, your need to feel the presence of another person is valid, your need to feel wanted is valid your need to feel secure is valid, often, the first reason we start neglecting our essential needs is because we think we are weak for having them. We only believe this because when we were young we did have to rely almost entirely on others to meet our essential needs. Eventually, this fails us, because another person cannot fulfill us entirely, nor are they responsible for it. As we grow up, we learn self-sufficiency. In fact, Reliance on oneself for the foundation of our basic needs is an important part of a person's development. In the same way, it is also important that we recognize we cannot meet every single one of our needs on our own. Human beings are hardwired for connection to others and to a group. This is why we exist in subsets, like communities and families, and generally feel happiest and most fulfilled when we are doing things that serve the greater good. This is a fundamental and healthy part of who we are, and it is not a sign of weakness. In other cases, your need to feel financially secure is healthy. It is not always a product of you being greedy or ill-intentioned. Your need-
0: this is another um, time for me to implement this information uh, of why I feel so honored that God would allow me to um, be injected into a family that has accepted me and has coached me, and that is, y'all have heard me say it many times before, so i say it again. When I get the uh, proper information, I would definitely put it in the chat. I'm going to make sure I do that next week um, when we go over the the outline for this program. Um, The ATS team... When I tell you, being implemented into this family. Oh, Queen Chi, if you have that information just right off the top of your head, can you put it in the chat so that um, they will be able to drop that information down and be on the morning call? You all, we have a morning call every day. And the experience of being able to um, hear the encouragement that is that is being put out for us to go forward toward a life that uh, serves us to do more than what we are doing. If if you all can just come and come and visit, come in here for yourself, um, find the ATS and and find out why it is so important to choose you. And that's what I have definitely been learning, and that is to choose me. I have definitely been um, doing that more so, and I am truly before you all <laughs> because of being associated with this this uh, program and these group of people.
1: To be validated for the work that you do is healthy, Thank you, Queen and G. it is not always a product of you being vain. Your need to live in a space and area that you enjoy being in is healthy, and it is not always a product of you being ungrateful for what you have. Your subconscious mind is trying to communicate with you, within our self-sabotaging behaviors lies incredible wisdom. Not only can they tell us how and what we have been traumatized by, they can also show us what we really need. Embedded within each self-sabotaging behavior is actually the key to unlock it, if only we can understand it first. These are a few brief examples of how your subconscious mind might be trying to communicate with you through your behaviors, the way you are self-sabotaging, going back to the same person who broke you in a relationship. This could be a platonic friend, but is most commonly a former romantic partner. What your subconscious mind might want you to know, it could be time to evaluate your childhood relationships. If you find something comforting or appealing about someone who hurts you, there's usually a reason the way you are self-sabotaging, attracting people who are...
0: Do y'all get that? I hope you are writing this down. I have... When I first heard this, I was taking notes, and like I said, um, Spontaneous Queen got this started because she was doing a book review of this book, The Mountain Is You, and I listened, and I'm just like, wow, I couldn't even make a comment because I was just, like, floored because so many things started coming through that but it led me to even go further in defining my relationships with whoever whenever wherever with and including myself <laughs> so understand that it is important for us to to do self to do self examinations and self validations because We are very important, truth be told, and I I put this in the program on a regular basis, and that is, without you, without you, there's nothing else that is important, that's fact, because if you're non-existent, then what's the purpose of having anything else? Because you wouldn't be here. So know that you are important, know that you matter, know that your worth is more worthy to serve to you than to serve it to abuse.
1: Too broken to commit, in a real way, what your subconscious mind might want you to know. You are not too broken to find someone who actually wants you. And when you begin to recognize that you are worthy of being committed to, you'll start choosing partners who do just that, the way you are self-sabotaging, feeling unhappy, even if nothing is wrong, and really, You've gotten everything you've wanted in life. What your subconscious mind might want you to know, you are probably expecting outside things to make you feel good rather than relying on changing how you think and what you focus on. Yes, queen. No outward accomplishment is going to give you a true and lasting sense of inner peace. And your discomfort, despite your accomplishments, is calling your attention to that, the way you are self-sabotaging, pushing people away. What your subconscious mind might want you to know, You want people to love and accept you so much that the stress of it all makes you isolate yourself from the pain. Effectively creating...
0: And him saying this um, brings on one of the other uh, signs of an abuser. Um, As you continue to be in this program, be a part of this program, it will help you to understand that they bottle things up because they're hurting. They're disappointed. They are frustrated. They haven't gotten what they want or they've been taught these uh, type of uh, skills and mechanisms to get what they want. It It is hurtful to the abuser and the one who is being abused to be in a situation and or circumstance where abuse is allowed to run one's life. So when you realize that you have to address yourself for both the victim and the person who is doing the victimizing, if you do not address yourself, then you will find yourself doing the same thing repeatedly over and over and over again, expecting to find some type of change. But you have to judge yourself. You have to sit down and find out why these emotions are here, why you are uh, relying on them to be a speaking tool for you. What is it that you can do to change? And I'm so glad that um, this book has been put out because the mountain is you and it is us and we have to rectify that.
1: The reality you're trying to avoid. Alternatively, Needing solitude too often usually means there is a discrepancy between who you pretend to be and who you actually are. When you show up to your life more authentically, it becomes easier to have people around you, as it requires less effort. The way you are self-sabotaging, automatically believing what you think and feel is true. What your subconscious mind might want you to know, you want to worry because it feels comfortable and therefore safer. The more you blindly trust every random thought or feeling that passes through you, the more you are going to be at the whim of what's happening around you. You must learn to steady yourself in clarity, truth, and groundedness, and to be able to mentally discern between what is helpful and what is not, the way you are self-sabotaging, eating poorly when you don't want to, what your subconscious mind might want you to know, you are doing too much, or you're not giving yourself enough rest and nourishment. You are being too extreme. This is why your body is requiring that you continue to fuel it. Alternatively, it could be that you are emotionally hungry, and because you are not giving yourself the true experiences you crave, you are satisfying your hunger another way, the way you are self-sabotaging. Not doing the work you know would help move your career forward. What your subconscious mind might want you to know, you might not be as clear as you think you are on what you want to be doing. If it isn't flowing, there is a reason. Instead of trying to push through and continually hitting the same wall over and over again, take a step back. Maybe it's time to regroup, re-strategize, or seriously think about why you're trying to take the steps you are. Something needs to change, and it's probably not just your motivation. The way you are self-sabotaging, overworking, what your subconscious mind might want you to know, you do not have to prove your value. You do, however, have to stop running from the discomfort of being alone with your feelings, which is very often the reason that people overwork. There is a difference between being passionately committed to something and feeling obligated to outperform everyone else. One is healthy, the other is not. The way you are self-sabotaging, caring too much about what other people think, what your subconscious mind might want you to know, you are not as happy as you think you are. The happier you are with something, the less you need other people to be. Instead of wondering whether or not someone else will think you are enough, stop and ask yourself, is my life enough for me? How do you really feel about your life when you aren't looking at it through the eyes of others, the way you are self-sabotaging, spending too much money, what your subconscious mind might want you to know, things will not make you feel more secure. You will not be able to purchase your way into a new life or identity. If you are overspending or spending outside of your means on a regular basis to the point that it is detrimental to you, you need to look at what function buying or shopping serves. Is it a distraction, a replacement for a hobby, or an addiction to the feeling of being renewed in some way? Determine what your needs really are and then go from there, the way you are self-sabotaging, dwelling on past relationships or continually checking up on exes, what your subconscious mind might want you to know, this relationship affected you more than you are letting yourself believe. The ending hurt you more than you acknowledged, and you need to process that. Your continued interest in this person means there's something about the relationship that is still unresolved, and it is probably some kind of closure or acceptance that you need to find for yourself. The way you are self-sabotaging, choosing friends who always make you feel like you're in competition with them, What your subconscious mind might want you to know, wanting to feel better than people is not a replacement for needing to feel connected to them, but that's often how we use it. We do this not because we actually want to be superior, but because we want to seem valuable and valued. What we want is authentic connection and to feel important to others, but making them feel inferior is not the way to accomplish it, the way you are self-sabotaging, having self-defeating thoughts that hold you back from doing what you want. What your subconscious mind might want you to know, being mean to yourself first will not make it hurt less if other people judge or reject you, though that is why you are using this defense mechanism. Thinking the worst of yourself is a way of trying to numb yourself to what you really fear, which is that someone else could say those things about you. What you don't realize is that you're acting as your own bully and enemy by doing it to yourself. What could someone else's judgment realistically do to your life? Honestly, it could stop you from pursuing your dreams, ambitions, and personal happiness. And that's exactly what you're doing.
0: Queen Chi, I want to ask you a question. Is it all right if I bring you in for a minute? Because I I want to ask you to voice your opinion and speak to um, my crowd today to just... Just express the importance of coming out of of one's own or should I say getting out of one's own way and if you could just spend some time or just put it in a chat um, of how people can get in contact with you and see your information that you have because your site is insightful too. Uh, the information that you bring forth is is, is extremely important. So either way, I, I like that. So <laughs> just, just figure that I asked throw that out there. I, I won't receive if I don't ask at all.
1: You stay fixated on those damaging ideas. It's time to get out of your own way, the way you are self-sabotaging, not promoting your work in a way that would help move you forward what your subconscious mind might want you to know, you're not creating the best possible work you can. And you sense it. The reason why you're holding back is a fear of judgment, but that wouldn't exist if you weren't already judging yourself. You have to create things you are proud to share, and when sharing them in a positive way that helps grow your business or career feels natural and authentic, you will know that you are doing the work that is at the best of your ability or potential, the way you are self-sabotaging ascribing intent or worrying that things are about you when they aren't. What your subconscious mind might want you to know, you think about yourself too often. Other people's lives do not revolve around you, nor do their thoughts. They are busy thinking about themselves in the same way that you are thinking about yourself. Remember that patterns in your life are indicative of your own behaviors, but imagining that every time someone cuts you off in traffic is a personal attack, you're going to severely hold yourself back because you'll always be the victim of something. The way you are self-sabotaging, staying in a city or town you claim to dislike, what your subconscious mind might want you to know, home is where you make it, not where you find it. Is this an issue of you being Hi, unable queen. to hold, Or are you simply un-
0: How are you? <laughs> I'm going to put one of these in my ear. I'm still having challenges with trying to um make sure people hear I I had <laughs> I had to do the um headphones so that they would be able to hear cuz I I had them unattached but then I kept getting people wasn't hearing me. I'm like, "What is going on?" <laughs> so I'm still learning. I'm still learning. And I'm excited about doing that um thank you <laughs> that means a lot. that means a lot. I wanted to take this time to um stop and ask you to speak to the crowd for me um because one of the things that one of the things that is important is that they understand, and I'm going to return back to. Um, definitely going to return back to the uh, video but one of the things that I have learned from you is like knowing that we have to be able to ask the tough questions to ourselves and now I'm gonna cry about it cuz yeah that's what you've made me do and it's just been like wow address yourself and move out of your own way How difficult was that for you to do?
2: Right. Right.
0: Right. This cannot be right. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Exactly.
2: Right. 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 I'm oh, sorry, y'all. I'm all in front of y'all. <laughs> right. 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 Right right
0: right right one of the things that um you said earlier about knowing that these things are flowing from inside you. When you first said I, I, I can't even put it how you said it but it was something that helped me to even even being a part of the A T S, being able to be there and be associated with people even though I was not And have not been able to meet everyone um, physically. It made a big difference. Let me say this. Hold on. Hold on a minute, (laughs) Queen Chi. Because I am recording on two different devices. So they can hear me here. They can't hear you. But I do want them to see that I am speaking with uh, Queen Chi. She is an awesome uh, not only speaker... But she is it, she's a lot of things. I'm going to tell y'all that right now. I can't even begin to tell you from counselor to coach to uh, she's even a minister. You heard me. I'm just saying. I'm just putting it out there. She is able to uh, answer any questions that you have concerning yourself. She is a motivator. She is a lot of things. And forgive me, Queen Chief, for not introducing you um because that was that was not cool i'm I'm still learning <laughs> I'm still learning, <laughs> but you all if you will definitely go to my site uh saunter lucky on I'm, I'm on facebook instagram this will be uploaded to all of those it will also be uploaded to YouTube to the best of my ability, <laughs> and you will be able to get her comments because they are worth hearing. So back to what I was saying about being a part of the ATS team and hearing the things that you say, one of the things that moved me so was that you was getting in your own way and you had to get out of your own way. So knowing that it brought me to doing some more defining for myself and to know that I can talk to me and to listen to you all, especially you, it's it's a few of y'all that are there that just like blow my mind, and I have to I have to feed off of that. I'm I'm greedy, so I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm not there yet, so I'm taking all nuggets. <laughs> it takes me some time to chew. <laughs> but I am chewing it without doubt. So I had to definitely take those things. And continue to stay tucked up underneath y'all because there was a time where I felt like I didn't need to be here, you know, at the ATS uh, team. And I was wasting my time or I could be doing something else or it felt like at one time it felt like um, I was being pushed away from my children, which is something that I value, my children and grandchildren, my great-grands so i had to reevaluate and one of those times when you was talking about how uh your husband was helping you with the kids and you had to show up and you needed to do this for you i want you to know that that was one of those times that i ate that up i was like <laughs> i need this so that i could show up for myself and then After you saying that, um, it was definitely some more discussion on it. And uh, our coach made sure that we knew that it was important for us to show it for for ourselves. So it was just validation that I was moving in the right um, direction. So I want to take time to thank you for that. We're going to go back to um, the video. Uh, Please don't leave. But if you do leave, I know that that you are busy. But I definitely thank you for being here and spending time. You all, don't forget that uh, if you go to... uh, I want you to drop your information to Queen Chi, if you will, in the chat. So that people will know where to find you to get your information. Um, and the courses and classes that you offer, and uh, perhaps speak with them so that they will be able to have that.
1: Usually when we stay in the same place, there's a reason. There's something we love about it, and it's where we want to spend our lives. The resistance comes in because of the judgment we imagine others may think if they know we don't live in the coolest, biggest, or the best area. You might also fear that people will judge you for not having progressed enough. The truth is that you are judging yourself, and you need to make peace or take pride in why you choose to live where you do, the way you are self-sabotaging, mindlessly scrolling through social media as a way to pass the time, what your subconscious mind might want you to know, this is one of the easiest ways to numb yourself. Because it is so accessible and addictive. There is a world-altering difference between using social media in a healthy way versus as a coping mechanism. Mostly, it has to do with how you feel after you're finished. If you don't put the phone down feeling inspired or relaxed, you're probably trying to avoid some kind of discomfort within yourself. The very
0: Now, how appropriate is, how appropriate is that? I certainly hope that you all, you all have taken advantage of the opportunity to get the information for not only uh, Shia and Spontaneous Queen but for um, Miss Queen Chi so that you can get that extra edge up to get the counseling that you need the information that you may need they both offer classes that you can get on their site and information that will help you to find out the prices and all of that that they offer. But I'm telling you, the information and the security that you will find for yourself to get you to a better you versus you fighting through life alone, trying to be um, something that is, I, 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 I have no other words for it but to say that is beneath you because if there is more to you, then what is being left behind is less than you. Does that make sense? When you want to go to the highest of yourself that you can possibly be because you are more important to you than any type of uh, negative uh, thought process is to you. And we're talking about from Sandra's standpoint and from This program for abused women, children, and men. We're talking about abuse and how it brings you down and whips you into its way of living. But if there's more to you than what abuse uh, has, wouldn't you want to be the best you you could be? So uh, take take disadvantage and get that information.
1: Discomfort that just might be telling you that you need to change. Learning to listen again. Now that you're starting to pay attention to your internal cues, it is important to understand how to listen to yourself and respond in real time. You are in the situation you are in now because you did not know how to understand or meet your needs in the moment. If you do not want to constantly have to be fixing your choices and behaviors, you have to learn how to process and interpret your feelings in real time. This will be done by a process of building emotional intelligence, which will be primarily done in the next chapter. However, this is where we begin, by understanding how to listen to our instincts. How to follow your gut, without getting scared of the future. One of the most essential tenets of modern wisdom is the idea that deep down, you know the truth about everything in your life and, by extension, your future. The idea is that you are an oracle unto yourself, and your feelings are apertures into not only what's happening now, but what's going to happen soon. We're not to blame for believing this. There's a significant amount of research that proves the interconnectedness of our brains and bodies, explaining why when we have a gut feeling or an instinct that precedes logic, it is often correct. This is because the lining of our gastrointestinal system functions as a second brain given how it stores a backlog of information that your conscious mind can't recall faster than your body can sense. It is this incredible skill that makes your instinct almost always correct. Your gut, though intelligent, isn't psychic. If you want to tune into yourself more, follow your heart, pursue your passion, find your soul, whatever it is, the first thing that you have to understand is that your gut instinct can only respond to what's happening in the present. If you have an instinct about a future event, you're projecting. This is how you can start breaking down your feelings. Are you responding to someone who is in front of you, or are you responding to your idea of them in your head? Are you reacting to a situation that's playing out right now, or are you reacting to one you imagine, assuming you know how it will go? Are your feelings regarding what's happening right now or what you hope and fear will happen in the future, Aside from only really being able to function in the present, your gut instinct is also quiet. The little voice within is just that, little, it does not scream. It does not panic. It does not pump your body with adrenaline to get your attention. It is not angry. It is the wave of clarity that overcomes you in the middle of your darkest moments. In which something tells you, it's going to be all right. It's not as bad as you think, everything is okay, your gut instinct functions to make things better, whereas your imagination can often make things worse, but this is often confusing to people, because which feelings are your instincts, and what are your fears, or doubts, or limiting beliefs? How do we know the difference? Well, your instincts aren't actually feelings, they are responses, if you find yourself particularly drained after spending time with someone or are feeling like you don't want to see them again, that's your instinct. If the work that you do exhausts you and every bit of it is forced and undesirable, that is your instinct. Instinct is not a feeling, you don't have an instinct, that you're sad today. Instinct is quickly moving yourself out of harm's way without having to think about it. You have to remember that your feelings, while valid, are not often real. They are not always accurate reflections of reality. They are, however, always accurate reflections of our thoughts. Our thoughts change our feelings. Our thoughts do not change our instincts. What you naturally gravitate toward or away from is your instinct. It's not something you feel or interpret, it's something you naturally do. When people talk about using their instincts to craft a life they love, this is what they mean, that they are obeying what their subtle intuition tells them they feel best doing. Sometimes your instinct can move you toward your art, even if it makes you uncomfortable and resistant. Sometimes your instinct can move you to keep working on a relationship. Even when it's hard, your instinct doesn't exist to ensure you feel comfortable and ecstatic at all hours of the day. It moves you toward what you're meant to do because it shows you where your interests, skills, and desires intersect. Instinct and fear can feel similar To trust your gut is not to treat it as an oracle. This is when the concept becomes so problematic. We are not.
0: Do you all remember when we went over um, thinking inside out and outside in and the difference that it made for um, us being able to think of our own and our, well, think of our own safety and what we wanted, versus thinking of what will aid the abuser um, to continue to violate what we want. So this is this is part of that discussion. Well, this covers part of what we talked about then
1: only believing random feelings blindly but also applying future meaning to them, assuming that everything we feel is actually warning us or showing us what's ahead. Let's unpack why and how this happens and how you can prevent it from ruining your life. Feelings do not inform you of the right decision to make. Right decisions create the right feelings. Your feelings are not intended to guide you throughout life. That is what your mind is for. If you were to honestly follow your every impulse, you would be completely stuck complacent, and possibly dead, or at the very least in severe trouble. You aren't, because your brain is able to intervene and instruct you on how to make choices that reflect what you want to be experiencing long-term. You begin experiencing feelings of peace and joy in your life, and you condition yourself to take repeated daily actions that facilitate clarity, calmness, healthfulness, and purposefulness, not the other way around. If you want to master your life, you have to learn to organize your feelings. By becoming aware of them, you can trace them back to the thought process that prompted them, and from there you can decide whether or not the idea is an actual threat or concern, or a fabrication of your reptilian mind just trying to keep you alive. Remember, your brain was built for nature. Your body was designed to survive in the wild. You have an animalistic form trying to navigate a highly civilized, modern world. Forgive yourself for having these impulses, and at the same time, Understand that your choices are ultimately yours. You can feel something and not act on it. So why are we even told to listen to our instincts in the first place? Your gut is deeply connected to your mind. There's a physiological connection between your gastrointestinal system and serotonin production in your brain. Your vagus nerve runs from your gut to your head. Acting as a communication device to help your system regulate your stomach and your mind are inherently connected, which is why people allude to just knowing something deep down or explain that when they're upset, they're sick to their stomach or had a gut reaction to something. What isn't being addressed is the fact that listening to your instinct is something that happens in the present moment. You cannot have an instinct about a future event because it doesn't exist yet. You can have a fear-based or memory response that you are projecting into the future, but you cannot instinctively know something about another person or a future event until it is in front of you. When you have a gut instinct about someone, it is after interacting with them. When you know whether or not a job is right for you, it is only after having done it for a while. The problem is that we are trying to use our instincts as fortune-telling mechanisms, our brain's creative way of trying to manipulate our body to help us avoid pain and increase pleasure in the future. But that's not what happens. We end up stuck because we are literally trusting every single thing that we feel instead of discerning what's an actual reaction and what's a projection. Identifying the difference between instinct and fear, first and foremost, understand that your instinct can serve you immensely in the present moment. Your first reaction to something is very often the wisest reaction. Because your body is using all of the subconscious information you have logged away to inform you about something before your brain has an opportunity to second-guess it, you can use this to your advantage by staying in the moment and asking yourself what is true right here and right now. What is true when you are with another person, activity, or behavior? What is the deep, gut instinct that you get when you're presently engaging with something, does it differ from what you think and feel about it when you are just imagining it, making guesses about it, recalling details of it, or imagining what it will be like? Typically, those projections are fear and your present reaction is your honest instinct overall. Your honest gut instinct won't ever frighten you into panic. Your gut is always subtle and gentle, even if it's telling you that something isn't for you. If your vet wants you to know not to see someone or to stop engaging in a relationship or behavior, the impulse will be quiet. That's why it's called the little voice within. So easy to miss. So easy to shout over. Intuitive nudges versus intrusive thoughts. When you start listening to yourself, you might find it hard to tell the difference between thoughts that are helpful and intuitive and thoughts that are damaging and intrusive. They both function similarly, they are immediate, reactive, and offer some kind of previously unseen insight, and yet they function so completely differently in practice, this is how to start telling the difference between thoughts that are informed by your intuition and thoughts that are informed by fear, intuitive thoughts are calm. Intruding thoughts are hectic and fear-inducing, intuitive thoughts are rational, they make a degree of sense. Intruding thoughts are irrational and often stem from aggrandizing a situation or jumping to the worst conclusion possible. Intuitive thoughts help you in the present. They give you information that you need to make a better informed decision. Intruding thoughts are often random and have nothing to do with what's going on in the moment. Intuitive thoughts are quiet, intruding thoughts are loud, which makes one harder to hear than the other. Intuitive thoughts usually come to you once, maybe twice, and they induce a feeling of understanding. Intruding thoughts tend to be persistent and induce a feeling of panic. Intuitive thoughts often sound loving, while invasive thoughts sound scared. Intuitive thoughts usually come out of nowhere. Invasive thoughts are usually triggered by external stimuli. Intuitive thoughts don't need to be grappled with. You have them and then you let them go. Invasive thoughts begin a whole spiral of ideas and fears, making it feel impossible to stop thinking about them. Even when an intuitive thought doesn't tell you something you like, it never makes you feel panicked. Even if you experience sadness or disappointment, you don't feel overwhelmingly anxious. Panic is the emotion you experience and you don't know what to do with a feeling. It is what happens when you have an invasive thought, intuitive thoughts open your mind to other possibilities Invasive thoughts close your heart and make you feel stuck or condemned. Intuitive thoughts come from the perspective of your best self. Invasive thoughts come from the perspective of your most fearful, small self. Intuitive thoughts solve problems. Invasive thoughts create them. Intuitive thoughts help you help others. Invasive thoughts tend to create a, me versus them, mentality. Intuitive thoughts help you understand what you're thinking and feeling. Invasive thoughts assume what other people are thinking and feeling intuitive thoughts are rational, invasive thoughts are irrational, intuitive thoughts come from a deeper place within you and give you a resounding feeling deep in your gut, invasive thoughts keep you stuck in your head and give you a panicked feeling. Intuitive thoughts show you how to respond, invasive thoughts demand that you react, how to start truly meeting your needs, Though the term self-care has become an umbrella term that more often refers to behaviors that distract one from the actual problem at hand rather than really taking action to fix the problem at hand, actual self-care is the most fundamental aspect of meeting your own needs. Aside from your own basic security, your needs are to be nourished, to sleep well, to live in a clean environment, to dress appropriately, and to allow yourself to feel what you feel. Without judgment or suppression, Finding ways to meet these needs on your own is the foundation of overcoming self-sabotage. You are going to feel far more willing to exercise if you got a good night's sleep. You are going to feel much better about work if you don't have to sit there with an ongoing backache and instead seek out a professional who can help you with your posture or chiropractic care or massage. You are going to enjoy spending time in your home if your home is organized and meaningful to you. You are going to feel better about yourself each day if you take the time to put yourself together with care. These things are not little things. They are big things. You just can't see it because their impact is that you do them every day. Understanding your needs, meeting the ones you are responsible for, and then allowing yourself to show up so others can meet the ones you can't do on your own will help you break the self-sabotage cycle and build a healthier, more balanced, and fulfilling life.
0: And there you have it. Um one of the one of the things that is important for us to realize and Queen Chi I'm going to bring you back in so that you can um tell people where to find you and speak to them a little bit about how important it is to take some of your master classes if you don't mind. Um, I want you all to to know that we went over this information because I think that it is important for us to understand that we are extremely, extremely in a fight for our lives. It is important to understand that that there's no one that is going to care about you more than you do. And however you care about you, that is how people are going to care about you. So, if you don't show that you care about you, then it's going to be difficult for people to find a reason to care about you because the battle would be going down. So, um, I'm going to turn this around. Hey, y'all. So, even though you all cannot hear because this, this, I'm going to get a better phone. (laughs) <laughs> I'm gonna grow up and get a better phone, y'all. But, <laughs> but in the meantime, I would definitely make sure that y'all get the information. And you all that can hear this information, I want you to know that it is vital. Um, Queen Chi has, she offers master classes and uh, other things that you can take advantage of. That will help you to get to the better you that we were discussing, and that was brought out in this book. Remember that also, um, spontaneous queen is doing a review on this book, "The Mountain Is You." So, if you want to get in on that and and get to have a chance to listen to that portion. Please get in contact with her. You can find her on uh Facebook Instagram, and she'll definitely be there so maybe somebody can do some 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 <laughs> what do you call it um what do you call that lip reading <laughs> so I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna hold you up and and hopefully they will be able to um get this information so you would queen Chi chime on in and Give people uh, knowledge of the classes that you offer that they can get, uh, perhaps uh, sign up for some of your classes and and what they can benefit from and getting in contact with you and give them that information. Okay, always. All right. Did y'all get that? That I'm telling you the smoothness. The smoothness. Now, any other time, you might feel like you're being ousted. But when I tell you, when, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. When you understand that someone is looking out for, for what you want for your life and what best, serves you and to teach you and to help you to get to the area where you can recognize in and of your own what is going to best serve you and how to get to that, you will be able to understand. I understand that language because there's no way to know what route to take unless you get to someone that can point you in the right direction. Queen Chi is one of those people. Uh, Spontaneous Queen is one of those people. So in my leaving, I want to thank you, Queen Chi, uh, for showing up. Thank you so very much. I'm so honored. And thank you all for um, coming and and being a part of this program uh, for abused women, children, and men. I see you, Christine. I see you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming, Jocelyn and the rest of you. I really appreciate you all coming. And when you get a chance to check out this information, remember that you are more important than what abuse wants you to think you are. You are more valuable than what abuse wants you to think you are. So come back next week. And we're going to take on some more things that are holding you back to get you to the next level, to the best part of what you can be. Thank you, and y'all take care. Love, love, love. Thank you, Queen Chi. Always. Bye-bye.